listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now your hosts, Scott and Miles. Your table is ready. It's long and This is a capital. We have a little problem with our entry sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. sci-fi diner podcast this is sci-fi diner conversations and this is episode is it 82 miles it is 82 82 conversations we've been having about what you guys are interested in and talking about and uh we have a heck of a lot of content to cover tonight Mm -hmm. and so hopefully we don't uh it doesn't go on too long we have a lot of content so we're going to try and do it all justice tonight i'm one of your hosts scott herzog and good evening i'm miles p mclaughlin and we are here to chat about the world of sci-fi the things that we're talking about the things that you're talking about and all bets are off as far as spoilers go it's a good thing that some of these shows are at least a week out so maybe you at least had some time to talk about them but we're going to talk about movies some reviews that are coming out and um we'll go from there sounds good how's it going miles tell me what's going on in your sci-fi world we won't talk too much about some of the tv Mm -hmm. shows because we'll get into that but what are you watching uh, my wife and i saw iron man 3 um week and a half ago we really enjoyed that and we i'm still Enjoying the shows that we're still watching, Arrow, um, Defiance, Warehouse 13, uh, Revolution. Um, picked up a book for the Kindle, Star Trek. Um, um, I believe it's called Folded Worlds. And so what's Folded Worlds about? Tell me, get a little, give me a little bit of the premise. <clears throat> well, the Enterprise, it, it, it takes place in the original series era. And I've only just started in the first chapter. Basically, there, there's a starship stuck in space. And I think it's... It, Talks about the concept of folds in space and stuff like that. Um, so it, it's really early on. I don't have, a, I don't, can't give too. You don't have a real good sense. Do you no. remember who the author is of it? N- not, not a name I'm familiar with. Okay, so but, not, uh, none of the authors that we know, basically. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, Leviathan Chronicles. I watched the, the watched. I listened to the episode <laughs> yeah. uh, um, on the way here today, and uh, that was. Fantastic, as, yeah. as always. Oh, yeah, definitely. I've been, I'm past that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Where are they at in the episodes? Episode 28 that dropped. It's just um, Tully and I forget his Irish friend's name, um, but. Ober- Oberlin. Oh, yes. They escape from um, the Black Door uh, uh, agent uh, in Japan. And so they. Oh, they, they take a bus. Do they get to their fish friend? They got to their fish friend, and that's kind of where it ends. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. some good stuff coming up. Yeah, you. so that was, but that was a, that was a very enjoyable episode. Awesome, awesome. Well, in my world, I'm watching again a lot of the sci-fi. I'm watching Big Bang Theory, Defiance. It's just absolutely incredible. I'm totally lying through my teeth here. I am watching actually Arrow and Warehouse 13 mm-hmm. are the main ones. Defiance is going to come in as soon as uh, Arrow's over. So I got a week yet till I get into Defiance and I'll catch up with Defiance and hopefully be caught up. So, mm-hmm. 
Um, so I'm, I, you know, really excited about that. I watched Atlas Shrugged, and so since we probably won't talk about the rest of the show, I'll tell you about it here. Really is a financial science fiction movie looking at the economy of the future, um, and it deals with this world in which the government has got its hands into all aspects of business. And there's no individual endeavor or enterprise anymore. Oh, okay. So, um, but there's this guy named John Galt. Mm-hmm. And uh, this place called Atlantis that values the individual. Mm-hmm. And that's where the movie ends. Okay. But so it was like a two-hour movie and mm-hmm. this Atlas Shrug part one. And who knows if we're going to get an Atlas Shrug part two. Yeah. I did see John Carter on Mars and I enjoyed it. Something I want to check out. It is enjoyable. Um, critics panned it. I'm not saying I would have seen this in the theater, but mm-hmm. it was a well worth the rental miles. You do got to rent this movie. Okay. Much better than I thought it was going to be, being mm-hmm. all the negative reviews that came around it regarding Disney. Okay. Um, maybe not worth the amount of money they threw at it. But I, because, I it, be, yeah. because of the amount of money they threw at it, it was worth, well, worth the watch. Okay. Sounds so, good. What did you hear, Miles? I need to cut you off. Oh, on. just that the, the lot of money. It was a very expensive movie to make. Yeah, it was hellishly expensive. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's move into our first review of the night. And this actually, uh, Nicholas Eftimiatis posted this on our the Sci-Fi Diner fan page. And so I wanted to read this because it's probably the first review we have of Into Darkness. Being in the UK, he had the advantage of actually watching it ahead of us. I'm jealous of those Europeans get the office. Yeah, yeah. So, so he's jealous of you. And Nicholas Eftimiatis, we've had on the show, he he did the book Edward of Planet Earth, who which I'm about two chapters in and I'm enjoying that. It's mm-hmm. kind of one of these Kindle reads I hit every so often, so I'm working my way through it. But this is his review of Star Trek Into Darkness. So for those of you in the U.S. who haven't seen it, just be aware. Might be some small spoilers here. Um, doesn't affect Miles and I. We don't typically mind that, right? No, not at all. You can close your ears, Miles, if you don't want to hear it and don't listen to the episode after I air it. But um, <laughs> here's what he has to say. First, let me say that I spent the week before this movie came out trying to taper my expectations. In hindsight, there was no reason. The movie did not have the blow-you-away energy of the 2009 reopening, but it's sure to please the discerning Star Trek fans and most others inclined to pay the outrageous price of a theater ticket. I spent... 17 pounds, about $27 US, to experience a film in IMAX 3D. I usually don't like 3D films, so this was a gamble for me. It's a nice feeling when a long shot comes through in a big way. The visual and auditory experience was simply extraordinary. The adventure starts when the crew of the Enterprise boldly goes to the primitive jungle planet. Their obsession, their observation mission quickly turns into a rescue mission that violates the all-too-sacred prime directive. <laughs> Shocking. I know you're shocked, Miles. Right. Say it, you're shocked. <laughs> Sacred, it would appear, for everyone but Kirk. His arrogance costs him a job, and Starfleet realizes maybe this is just an inexperienced, egotistical kid that we got way ahead of ourselves by making him captain of a starship. The future is not looking too good for Kirk when the sinister John Harrison makes his appearance. 
Uh, you may want to cover your ears. This will probably spoil it pretty good, Miles. Uh, inflicting the reign of terror upon Starfleet. He's a bad boy, and he plays the role well, but I'm not too sure he looks quite the part. He can act well, but reminded me of Roger Moore as 007. He's a little too much of a pretty boy to be taken seriously as a tough guy. I'll probably feel different when I see the movie for a second or third time. It often takes a little time to warm up to a sci-fi evil protagonist, Darth Vader, for example, the Terminator, Agent Smith, the Matrix, Boba Fett, and the Predator just being notable exceptions. Kirk is ordered to hunt down the bad guy and dish out some playback for those evil deeds. Now, if you're wondering how such an old West frontier justice is dispensed in the 23rd century, you're not alone. And then this quagmire becomes the key to a few deep, dark Starfleet secrets. I'll give you a hint. Dead men tell no lies. Star Trek Into Darkness leads you down a path of action, adventure, and secrecy, and mortal challenges. All this is interwoven onto the framework of awesome CGI, but despite the wonderful special effects, the character development is probably the film's greatest strength. The film emphasizes the complexities of interpersonal relationships on board a starship. Spark, Spock, and Ahura have a few tense moments, and you expect the next words to be, we need to talk. Being the third wheel, Kirk tries to avoid being dragged into the argument with some humorous results highlighted throughout the film is a different belief structure between the rules based spock and the kirk philosophy of the rules don't apply to me these philosophical differences emerge as open tensions at several points during the film and you might expect in the end everyone learns some truth lies somewhere in the middle but fair warning the truth comes at a high price hmm. So what do you think? Did that spoil too much of it for you? No, not at all. Um, was, was, was most of this, this isn't all common knowledge. There's some new stuff in there, but at least stuff I haven't heard before. Yeah, I've yeah, I, I, I've been looking at this, this this stuff, and some of it's confirmed what we've you and I talked about maybe about a year or so ago when we it was leaked out who who the bad guy who bad guy was going to be. So. Um, so is John Harrison anything of significance in the uh well according to well ac- according to what they're saying um as far well it, it was speculated that Khan was going to be in this film right and um JJ you know emphatically said no it's not Khan and then he said you know Ben Cumberbatch is playing you know John Harrison and but we thought maybe Khan is involved because we're looking at this guy kick button tick names with these Klingons and we see these well like stat some kind of stasis or hibernation right. tubes maybe it is Khan and his group of people um, so I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being Khan um, and if it is okay. All right, but nothing that Nicholas gives us any hint of that. No, no. Uh, but he, he's, I he's thought a, a very good positive review makes me look forward to seeing the movie even more. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I thought it was a good review, yeah. Yeah, so very good. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead, and uh, this is the this is from Lee, I think. Okay. And Lee takes us through a journey through some of our past podcasts here, so go ahead. Hello, Scott Miles. It's been a while since I have sat down to write to you, and your podcast and all the sci-fi shows we all love to watch. 
I know that I do pop in here and there on the Facebook when I have the time. Now, I'm happy to say that today on uh, May 7th, I finally caught up with all your podcasts. I will talk about a, a few things that happened weeks ago, so please excuse my tardiness. The first bit I would like to comment on was the great discussion you had with Keith R.A. DeCandido and Jim Arrowwood and Roll Yabara podcast 166. Yes, I'm jumping over some podcasts even before that, but I thought this would be a good place to start. Now, I thought this... Though the podcast got a little winded, but it was a great discussion on what, what is sci-fi and what is fantasy. And I do agree with everything that Keith DeCando had to say. But the two of but the two as my opinion line up with his just to keep this part show short, but a great podcast. Next to Dan Ackroyd interview that was posted from the podcast uh, HD World was interesting and, and always good to hear uh, Dan, a, a longtime favorite actor of mine. Now I'm going to do another leap to podcast 169. And, and brains loved all the interviews, but this best was past cast members I had followed, and I was more connected to, with that was Abby Miller, Sophia, and the one and only uh, T Dog, Iron E Singleton. That a lot of fun hearing from those uh, guys from one of my favorite shows on TV today. Then the next podcast, one city was the interview with Lee Ehrenberg. I like what he had to say, but he did take kind of take over the interview in a way. And the other thing was that it was why, why too short as I could have come up with a, at least twenty more questions I would like to hear about. And now I'm totally caught up with Dire Conversations 81. It's good that I'm not only one watching Revolution. I'm sure that this is that this show can only get better with time. And I said on, on, on Facebook, I think that it has found its legs and it holds some promise that it will get better. And it's great to see Warehouse 13 make it back. It seems like a new season to me that didn't just come off a break. It's been that long. I would also like to say that I'm, I've watched uh, Doctor Who and I've seen the revamp first season some time ago. I have now started started on the second season and up to the last two episodes. Well, there it is, guys. Keep up the good work and looking forward to more podcast from the Lost Mind of Lee. Peace and long life. Thank you, Lee, so much for writing in and giving us your thoughts again. Mm-hmm. What do you think about what he had to say? Well, um, as far as the Lee Ehrenberg interview... You have to understand, Lee, that we are only have so much time with the guests. 10, 15 minutes if, if, we're, if we're fortunate. If we're lucky. Yeah, yeah. and th- th- there, there's somebody there to kind of let us know when we have to cut the interview off. Um, so we're under time constraints. Uh, I'm sure, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to have talked to him more. And as far as letting Lee kind of take over the conversation, that's kind of the way I like it to be. I mean, I, I have questions there, but... If we could keep the interview as organic as possible, and and let the let the guest sh- share what he wants he or she wants to share. If I miss a few questions that I had originally planned, oh, so be it. I mean, um, well, and this is Lee Arenberg we're talking about. He has to go back and listen to our first interview with him if you thought he took over here because right because he totally took over that one. We didn't ask a single sci-fi question. I don't think in that interview, uh, maybe one or two, but it was mostly. You know, him ditching in Hollywood. You know, but but th- those those were some of my favorite interviews. To be honest, yeah. I just thought uh, he had a lot of you know he had a lot of interesting things to say the first time around, and the second time around, you know, he had come you know basically out of a slump uh, for a while, and but he, I thought he had a good outlook on it, and so um, that's that's kind of my my thing with interviews is I don't have to get all my questions in be nice but i mean yeah um if if if, if we get the, the guest to talk about something and he goes on for a while i'm i'm not going to tell him to stop i mean that's just in you just you know you, you, you can't i mean for one thing i just you know you, you it may, may sound like the guest is rambling but they may have some cool stuff to say so i just want to let them go 
You never know when they say something brilliant in the middle of that. So exactly. So and long-winded uh, in the uh, you know what is sci-fi uh, discussion? It had to be Keith. <laughs> I'm, I'm blaming Keith. Keith is a long-winded one in that one. But uh, and revolutions. He is on board. He's glad to see that people are still watching it more than him, and so much so is now renewed for two seasons. And so he's one of the people. And you're watching it. I'm still enjoying it. Yeah. Are you uh, agreeing with his assessment that it's just getting better? I think it has got better. I don't know if. Well, it must have the audience. If, if NBC it does have the audience, if, if they're going to renew it, if they're if they're giving it a second season and 23 more episodes. It, it it's definitely struck a chord. Um, it, there there is more happening now. I mean, the first season did seem to drag. Now there there's just there's tons of stuff happening. Um, there's always something happening in, in, in one episode to advance the plot. So yeah, I'm I'm with you, Lee. So um, did I hear you say that you liked Iron Man three? I, I did enjoy Iron Man three. So I I, I want to just share a dissenting opinion. That's okay. And from someone that you kind of respect. And okay. so I don't want you to lose any I don't want you to lose any cred for this guy just because he disagrees with you, okay? Uh, I am sure I won't. Okay, okay. So this is from Jim Arrowwood. Okay. This is from Jim <laughs> from Kalis himself, and he says this. Greetings. After much anticipation of Iron Man 3, I am sorry to say I found it quite a bit of a letdown for me. I realize I'm in the minority in this. After all, only one, one only needs to look at the box office grosses and majority of the critics to see that it is a very popular movie. I have to say I was very impressed by the CGI and special effects. But for me, there has to be more to a film than that to hold up. I've had several problems with this movie. First off... I thought the script was weak. I found the story disjointed and a bit difficult to follow. Secondly, I cannot get into Tony Stark's constant string of backhanded remarks. To me, it was almost like Robert Downey Jr. was doing a stand-up act all through the film. Another point that was a turnoff for me was how they took an established character like the Mandarin and turned him into a joke. One point that infuriated me was a presentation of the name change for War Machine. And how he's called the Iron Patriot. And if that isn't bad enough, they change his armor so now it looks like a mechanical version of Captain America. Now, realize that change is inevitable. But there are some things that should be left alone. Is this what happens when Disney gets a hold of a time-honored franchise like Marvel Comics? It's been rumored that Iron Man 3 is the last of the Iron Man pictures. Honestly, I didn't care for the first two films. And I think that this might be a good place to let Iron Man's batteries run down. Oh, and Star Wars fans, beware. Disney also has control of that franchise, too. Watch out. I also went to start... I also, let me let's stop there. I want to interrupt... The, I'm going to interrupt this regular schedule email to talk a little bit about Iron Man. Right. So let me get your initial thoughts off of what he's saying here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, part of the charm of Iron Man is Tony Stark saying funny stuff. Um... Maybe, and th- th- this movie there is no shortage of that. Also, um, you e- either go for go with it or you don't. Um, Tony Stark's a different character than say Bruce Wayne, right? Um, so, you know, that's I, 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 that's just preference, I guess. I mean, and I guess the question is, as snarky as he is, I wonder if he's that way in the comics. I didn't, I've not read a lot of Iron Man comics, so I don't know. And listeners, you can chime in here if he's just as snarky as he is in the comics. And 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, Iron Man fans, you know, it does the movies do it justice to the Iron Man character in the, in the, in live action films? Does um, Robert Downey Jr. You know, does he bring the spirit of Tony Stark in his performance? I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. So, did you have an issue with the fact that he changed War Machine to the Iron Patriot? No, I, I, that didn't affect me one way or the other. Oh, I mean, I wonder if this is because you haven't read the comics. I, I, I'm not familiar with the comics, and so maybe, maybe if I maybe if I was, I, I might take a stronger opinion to that. But um, I, I, don't, I don't know if War Machine and Captain America have ever, ever have any interaction. So I don't think we'll, we'll ever see that in any movie. So probably not. It should be you okay. know. And here, here's the thing, uh, Jim and. I did a little bit of research on it because I wanted to say, well, why make the change, right? Mm-hmm. Why make the change from War Machine, which we saw in Iron Man 2, to Iron Patriot? Why do that, mm-hmm. right? Especially since Iron Patriot was clearly a villainous character, right, in the in the comic book series. So here's what I found in my research. I'm just going to read a little bit of this. Okay. It said, during the filming in May last year, early Iron Man 3 set photos had first revealed that the Iron Patriot would be featured in the Shane Black directed film. With red, white, and blue armor having a villainous origins in Marvel Comics, it was su- surprised later learned that the Marvel, that the, Mar- the Marvel, uh, pr- um, Three equal, three equal. Sorry, that the Marvel three equal would include Iron Patriot only as a new paint job for Don Cheadle's Jim Ro- Rhodey Rhodes Iron Man two War Machine armor. So just painting it, explaining how the idea came about. Marvel President Kelvin Feige, I think I'm pronouncing it right, reveals. A few years ago in publishing, they created a suit called the Iron Patriot, which was an advanced Iron Man suit painted red, white, and blue with a star in the star in it. In comics, it's a different character that wears it and utilizes it. But we really loved that image. We thought it was a striking image. And coming off the Avengers, where you have Captain America and Captain America such a symbol of the, the Avenger, for the Avengers, we thought it would be fun if the United States wanted to have their own version of that. Of course, Captain America works for the United States, but he's just more of an Avengers hero. The U.S. government said we want our own, which is why they took War Machine and rebrand him as the Iron Patriot. Shane Black and I seeing the Iron Patriot for the first time was an exciting reveal. And what the guys at Legacy had done with the suit, each suit gets better and better. The Iron Patriot practical suit that was worn on set is the best practical suit they've ever built. Now, over the course of the film, we learned that there was a nefarious purpose behind that. It's a great example of how sometimes you take and stay true to the character as pulled from the comics. And sometimes the comics can be a kernel of an idea that you then flesh and build into something else. One of the best things about being part of Marvel Studios is that you have the house of ideas, you have the publishing division that comes out with dozens of books a month, and we flip through almost every one of those books every month and just pull things and don't know where they could be used. But, you know, a few years ago we pulled the Iron Patriot and said, that's cool, wouldn't it be fun to play with that someday? And you'll see in Iron Man 3. So that's kind of their reasoning behind it. Sure. Again... Go ahead. Yeah, I could see why if you're fans of the genre, that might not agree with you because it's taking it totally out of context uh, as yeah. far as where it fits with uh, the comp- the comic book uh, timeline. You know, and if you want to read more, Jim, I've only read part of what Jim had to say. He mm-hmm. actually writes far more extensively far more extensively about this on Jim's Sci Fi blog, mm-hmm. and so you want to make sure that you uh, check out Jim's Sci Fi blog. 
dot com. Is that right? I think it's Jim Sci Fi Blog dot com and read his full review of it and he gives a lot more reasons of what we gave. Mm-hmm. Um were you reading this uh, news story? You were but I could I could take over a few. Yeah, days. take over that. Um he also went to see Oblivion. Go ahead. I also went to the theater and saw Oblivion. I must say that I thought it was well-thought-out film with great special effects and an incredible story. Tom Cruise turned in what I might consider to be his best, best performance to date. Whoa, that's saying something. That's high praise. Better than st- Cocktail? <laughs> <laughs> While the story might have a bit of a predictable, the ending kind of reminded me of Logan's run. Oblivion is a well-directed movie with a good story. At the urging of my son, I read a fantastic book by Eric Nyland, Halo, Fall of Reach. Before reading this book, I actually knew very little about Halo other than that it was a video game. Not being a gamer myself, I was a little reluctant to read this book, but I'm very glad I did. It follows the development of Master Chief, an iconic character in the gaming world. The book is so well written and tells a story that makes it hard to put down. What doesn't have to be a gamer to really get into this book? It's just that good. Currently, I'm reading the, the official prequel to the upcoming film, After Earth. This book is called The, the Perfect Beast by Michael Jan Friedman, Robert Greenberger, and Peter David. I'm only a little halfway through the story, so I will reserve my review until I finish. For now, I'll simply say that I'm liking it, and I'm really looking forward to the movie coming to, coming the end of May. I'm also watching and enjoying Defiance on the sci-fi. For me, it is a cross between Firefly, Gunsmoke, Little Bonanza thrown in. Well, I think I've taken up enough of your time, so I'll conclude by saying I remain Kalis. Kapla. You know, I love Kalos' description of defiance. Yeah, that's great. This <laughs> is a great. What, what, what was it? We got to read it again. It goes, he goes across between, for me, it's across between Firefly and Gunsmoke with a little bonanza thrown in. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a perfect capturing of what I've heard. Mm-hmm. And do you agree kind of with that assessment? Oh, it, it's, it's definitely, yeah, I, I think that's a good, good way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. So Oblivion, a huge fan of Oblivion, Tom Cruise's best work. Hmm. That's saying something. I enjoyed Tom Cruise in you know, Last Samurai. Um, I enjoyed him in Minority Report. Maybe not one of his biggest works, but I've enjoyed him at Mission Impossible. I enjoy him in the Mission Impossible movies. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people pan Cruise. I think because of his personal life, he's not. De- yeah, but he, he he is a decent actor. He you know yeah. so. And, and Oblivion, I, it's something I probably won't see in theaters. I'll probably wait till it becomes available as a rental or. Netflix streaming sometime. Yeah. Halo Fall Reach. Jim, I actually did read this book. Uh, it's been a while, but it, um, it, it kind of gives you a little bit of the background of Master Chief, as he was saying. And it was an enjoyable read. Mm-hmm. Not the best book I ever picked up, but I enjoyed it. It was a, definitely a beach read or a pleasure read. Good. So, through it. And uh, Perfect Beast by some of our favorite authors here. Yes, I, I, we've interviewed all of them, but Michael Jan Friedman. We, we, might not, have, we, we have to remedy that. Yeah, I agree. And, but uh, <laughs> we did talk to Robert Greenberger, and he did talk about the the After Earth series. That's right. that's cool, right? And Peter David is good to see that he has his name on that book. Oh yeah, after what he's gone through. So, mm-hmm. and by the way, just a side note, M liked Iron Man three too. So. Uh, 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 two sure. against one, Jim. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, so I can't really uh, really state this. Uh, but we have some more love for Iron Man 3. Uh, since you were reading, let me go ahead and read this. Hi, guys. I really enjoyed Conversations 81 and wanted to chime in on a couple things. Oblivion. Oh, by the way, this is from Ren. I said R-H-E-N. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Does that sound right? It you sounds know? right, Ren. Okay. If, let us know if it were not. Yeah, so. Um, Oblivion. I saw this in IMAX, which is the way everyone should be seeing sci-fi movies nowadays. That statement goes double for Oblivion. I found myself in awe at the vistas they shot. You really got the feeling of being alone. 
The storyline was a bit weak, but that didn't seem to affect my enjoyment of the movie. I absolutely loved the drones. They were scary as hell, which sounds ridiculous until you see the movie. I couldn't stop talking about them the next day at work. You know, whenever you get into a movie and you can't stop talking about it, always a good sign. It sounds like you enjoyed it. (laughs) Defiance, he said, it surprises me that people are so divided on the show slash game. I like the show and love the game. In my old age, I'm just enjoying movies and games rather than picking them apart or holding them into some academic elitist standard. So I get in the game to blow blow stuff up. Fun. Then I go watch a show about the same people I was just doing a quest with. I like that they're trying a crossover between the game and TV show. We see today how so many people are turning off TV for other forms of entertainment, so why can't this be the future? Someday maybe we'll, maybe we'll be discussing how Defiance started it all. Didn't want to take a lot of your time, so I'll end here. Keep up the good work, Ren. Great to hear from you, Ren. Thank you, Ren, for writing in and giving us your thoughts on Oblivion, which he absolutely loved. And... Um, Two thumbs up for Defiance. Any comments on what he's saying? Um, I liked his comment about holding it to a uh, elitist, holding things to an academic elitist standard. I think, yeah, if we if we do that, we can um, we can rob ourselves enjoyment of yeah. And, he, and I think that's key. You know, there are sometimes it is important to read the academic stuff, but mm-hmm. I think it's just as important to just sit down and allow your mind just to journey. And who cares that the science doesn't make 100% sense all the time? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's, let's just have fun and enjoy it. And who doesn't want to get into a video game and blow stuff up every once in a uh, while? Understood. I understand yeah. that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Same people go paint, the reason people go paintballing, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera. But, um, well, let's, he's, you know, let's move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some comments about some of the shows people are watching. Um we didn't have a lot in re- the recent Revolution. You're you're up to date in Revolution. Right? I, I watched the yes the last episode today. Yeah. And so, what's going on in Revolution? How close are we to the finale? I'm not sure when the finale is, but it, it's got to be close. They're getting close to. Um, the getting, there's two characters that are going to the tower, and their the, the names elude me at the moment. Um, and are, there's also a real you know a showdown with. Um, um, Miles Matheson and and uh, Monroe. Um, think, think Matheson now has the Georgia resistance to join him, but in, in a twist of things, um, um, Tom. Tom uh, oh shoot, what's his last name? Um, Tom Neville. Um, he fell out of favor with uh, Monroe, and so now he joined up with uh, the, the with with the George with, with the Georgia Republic, and so now he and Matheson. Not necessarily willingly, but are fighting on the same side. So that oh. that's that's created. Some that's Esposito's character. Yeah, right? that, the guy we talked to at, at, at Farpoint. So that's created some interesting conflict uh, there. Um, so th- there was an interesting dialogue. I mean, basically, him and his son have definitely fallen out. However, uh, an explosion, and I guess got beat up. His son gets hurt, and um, you know. Uh, Neville volunteers to take him back and, um, you know, his son asks, you know, after all it's happened, why? And he get, and Neville says something to the fact that, you know, um, I've committed all just about every sin in the good book and then some, but uh, there's just some lines even the devil won't cross. You don't leave your son to die alone. Hmm. And so that was, I don't know if that, that'll patch things up. A lot of, you know, between them two, about because a lot has gone on, 
but right. it was still a, it was an interesting scene that you know there's just some lines you don't cross so by the way revolutions wraps up june 3rd so you have three episodes left okay three episodes left of that so may 20th may 27th and june 3rd at least according to imdb if you can trust what it's saying so they're probably right about that. They're probably they, they probably are right about yeah. that. So so revolution, you're still enjoying. It sounds like the storyline's still there and yeah. uh, still a fair amount of action. Still still a lot. They're blowing all kinds of stuff up. I mean, uh, so um, I asked you this before. If I were to pick up revolution or begin defiance, what would you recommend? Oh man, that's a tough one. Um, I I would still suggest defiance. It's 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 something new and different. And because it, it's it's more real sci-fi as far as having humans dealing with aliens. Very good. Yeah. Very good. I'm with you on that. Yeah. So Doctor Who, the most recent episode, Nightmare in Silver, just aired this past Sunday. And I really enjoyed this Nightmare in Silver. Silver, and um, because it dealt with one of the classic Who villains, the Cybermen. So you've probably seen them at sci-fi conventions. They're the robot-looking creatures with like a bar that comes up over their head like that. I'm familiar with the Cybermen. Yeah, yeah. so the Cybermen. And so they bring them, They bring back this classic villain and even make Doctor Who kind of a Cybermen-type character. Mm. So a lot of people like this episode. This was actually a good episode for me. Who's been kind of... I like you, I you know, but at the same time, some of the episodes felt kind of lackluster. Okay, not this one for me. This one I really did enjoy, and a lot of listeners liked it as well. Mm-hmm. So, do you want to read what Gen M thought about sure. this episode? Thought it was a pretty good episode. Cool way on how to bring the Cyberman back to the uh, show when the Doctor had the, that cyber gadget on his face. Kind of reminded me of the Borg in a it way. It did. It did. And I liked how he, he tried to show the battle was going on without him, within him, I'm sorry. And it was also cute when we got to see uh, Warwick Davis against uh, also known as Wicked. Yeah, he was <laughs> in. He was one of the main characters. He was the emperor in this in this, in this episode. So Quite promotion from uh, an Ewok to an Right, emperor. right, right, definitely. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, um, one of the things that... Um, they do do is so they destroy the planet. This one part in the in the episode, mm-hmm. and it's to, that's the only way you can get rid of the Cybermen. Oh, is to destroy the planet. Except there's one little Cyberman creature floating around in space after it. Okay. So, and they end the episode with that. You see him blinking, and you're like, "Oh, they're not hmm. going." Of course not. Of course, you not. can't kill off a villain like that. Mm-hmm. Mike Crate said it's always tricky to bring kids into a show which has a large demographic range. For me. They both got on my nerves too much to really enjoy the added dynamic. The story as well didn't have that certain magic which indicated it being written by Gaiman. So Neil Gaiman wrote it. Mm-hmm. Uh, still, whatever do you, whatever you do, don't blow up the planet until the plot allows for it. Of course, yeah, no style or subtlety at all. I did like the obvious comparisons between the Doctor and the Emperor, though. The pressures their unique positions gave them, and the emotional baggage they had to carry through their actions, in some cases, lack of action. So he's doing a little bit of comparison between, the act- between Doctor Who and the, uh, and the, um, and the Emperor. Mm-hmm. So I-, I enjoyed it. It was a fun episode. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, 
teach his own, right? Right. Uh, let's move on to the Once Upon a Time finale. This is a show that I am not caught up in. I'm not, I haven't watched any season two, but this is a finale for it, and people weighed in. Uh, Jen M says, I thought it was a pretty good episode, although it was a bit confusing when they showed uh, Neil slash uh, Bay's story in Neverland at the end when they were when they talk when they were talking about what if Bay's wasn't the, the kid they were looking for and shown Henry and then the creature. Right. Um, and then uh, Jason Taylor said, Peter Pan is the big bad? That's just wrong. It <laughs> begs the question of how Neil got out of Neverland in the first place. And all the former enemies have finally come together, Emma and Regina and Hook and Rumple, like seeing Emma finally embrace and realize the magic was within her. I knew she had magic since the first season finale. So uh, people kind of liking it. I'm still waiting for Raul to kind of weigh in on here. He, he blogs about Once Upon a Time, and I think mm-hmm. that we're recording this a little bit too soon after the finale, but we'll get his thoughts on it maybe the next time. So Raul, we want to hear what you thought about the Once Upon a Time finale. Heck, Wayne Henderson, we want to hear from you too. Oh, sure. Because we know that you're, uh, you're watching that. Just uh, uh, one small thought on Orphan Black, which, of course, we mentioned in the main show was renewed. Go ahead. Uh, so Mike Crete chimes in. Uh, Matt Frewer is stealing the show, and the pacing is ramping up very nicely as more and more people become aware of the clones in their mists. You know, and uh, pacing ramping up is always a good thing. Yep. This is a show I do have to check out. Yeah, I, I want to check out, too. So probably Defiance, and then maybe this. That's maybe <laughs> that order. Those two there. Uh, but a show that we are watching is Arrow. Oh, yeah. What did you think of Arrow at the end? Wow. Uh, the, 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 the fight scene between uh, Ollie and uh, Malcolm Merlin. Um, you know, Malcolm Merlin's a tough customer. I mean, he, <laughs> bro- he broke the bow. I mean, he broke the bow. He catches the arrow. Yeah. It's like, okay, this guy has mad skills. Um, he's not, you know, he's definitely... Ollie's, Ollie's match, if not, is better, you know, in... Uh, he doesn't funny. know who the arrow is until he yanks that mask down, though. Right, and then when you see the look on his face, it's like, oh, crap. I mean... He's like, yeah, yeah it's kind of... That's kind of... It's like, oh, crap, you know? Just, so it was just... It was really an amazing... This could have been... This could have been the finale. I know we have one episode left. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow night's episode, but this would have this was this was a great cliffhanger. It would be a great cliffhanger. You could pull us into next year, like what in the heck's going to happen? Mm-hmm. But, um, Br- uh, Bradley Detzler said, "Phew, amazing." Mm-hmm. Jason Taylor says uh, Malcolm's reaction was surprising. He had previously suspected that Oliver was the vigilante earlier in the season. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Matt Mather said, "Wait for it, Malcolm's Oliver's dad." You wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't reveal that, but uh, uh, Kenneth War- Warford says, well, I also think uh, Malcolm may be his real dad. I also think they're setting up to have uh, his sister's boyfriend save him in an attempt to get the Arrow's attention. I, I agree. I think mm-hmm. you're going to have that be kind of the sidekick for the Arrow. They're setting that up. Yeah. Jed M said, yeah, it could possibly be that way. Can't wait to see some good, clean torture. I mean, who knows what Malcolm has in store for our hero in the next episode? Yep. And uh, Lee says, I, I agree with Kenneth about the sister's boyfriend and saving him. It looks to be heading that way. And the fact that Malcolm knows for sure who, who the Green Arrow is now added a nice twist to it all. One thing, though, how is Oliver going to fix his family with his mother getting divorced and knowing her secrets talking about messed up? It is a very screwed up family. Yeah, I mean, Ollie knows that his mother is dirty. I mean, And I don't know if you can tr- – you just can't trust – you just can't trust the mother. Well, it seems like she – she sabotaged the boat that they were on. I mean, so, I mean, she was trying to 
Yeah. How can, how, how can he trust his mother? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, do we need to talk Defiance? We did kind of talk Defiance, but anything, what's going on in Defiance world? I'm not caught up on Defiance yet. All right, so, well, then we yeah. won't talk about it. We did briefly talk about it anyways. Grimm, we are not watching, but Lee Kemp had this to say about Grimm. Julie is now back all the way and seems to remember just about everything. It's about time that part of the storyline was getting a bit old. And Jason Taylor says, I thought it would have been taken more than just looking at Juliet to bring Nick back, but I'm glad she's finally getting back into the fold. And Jen M said, yeah, me too. Now that I finally got to watch Yep, I'm kind of glad Juliet finally snapped out of that spell she was in. I would like to have seen her fight a little bit more to get Nick back too. They could have made it a two-parter. Still a good app. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Grimm still uh, resonating with people. Yep. Warehouse 13, we just finished watching the episode. Yeah, the, the whole 1940s uh, theme, the black and white, was um, that, that, that was just great. That was just very creative, uh, ha- having um, uh, Pete and uh, Mike uh, get lost in an in old uh, 40s hard-boiled detective novel. Yeah, it was great, like film noir. Mm-hmm. So, and then do that with the boosting of the automobiles. Yeah. It was kind of a neat, neat, neat juxtaposition. And how uh, Artie's kind of throwing his uh, life recklessly around. Exactly. I mean, you see at the end where, where Jinx is talking to the one um, region uh, region yeah. about that. And so, yes. We'll see what happens. But it's, it's, it, 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 Warehouse 13 is still great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we got this comment. And we're going to juxtapose this with another comment later on. But we've got this comment in YouTube. I wanted to read it. This is from Perky McPerky Pants. <laughs> he said, uh, and so this is one of our Sci-Fi Diner classics that um, our good friend Colin put up on YouTube for us. And we always start out, because it's a classic, to have a little bit of a uh, uh, jazzy kind of old-time feel because it's a classic, right? And this is his comment. Um, I assume it's a him. I don't know. To hell, I'm not going to randomly click a few seconds at a time to see when you stop playing random jazz and actually get to an interview. Stop being cute and start being journalists. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, wow. So well, so how do you really feel about that? Um, yeah, exactly. Well, I... Oh, no, we've always had introductions. It's not like we leap in... Even in our podcast, it's not like we leap right into an interview. Yeah, exactly. There's always a little bit of... Talk and banter back and forth before we, we get into it. Yeah, um, and so, well, Perky Pants, I'm mm, sorry you didn't like. Yeah, he needs to put his patience pants on. Exactly. You know, we 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 play that. You know, a little music to pull you in, and no one's ever complained. Maybe you guys hate it. If you guys hate the music, let me know. But you know, you, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, each his own. Yeah, hey, we had a good interview with her. If he doesn't want to listen to it, he'll have to listen to the interview. You, you, you don't want to hear some really good Allison Scaliotti? You know, that's that's your loss. Yeah, but uh, just to counteract that, um, Leslie Englewood put a five-star iTunes review, and he, she said, love the diner, looking forward to listening to this podcast every week, always informative and entertaining. Thank you, Leslie. So mm-hmm. Perky Pants tears us down, Leslie builds us up. <laughs> so um, we did get a comment in, and I'm putting this in here. This is actually a response to our, our Deckard, our Blade Runner review. Okay. So do you want to read what Joseph F. had to sure. say? Joseph, Joseph says, I know I am getting here late, but I'm here now. Uh, I just wish I heard this closer to your recording time. Your chat was great. I love this movie and the book. I know I'm a odd bird liking both. I know you all brought up 
good topics, but I have an issue of one thing, the big question of Deckard's humanity. I recall the, 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 one of the people talking said that, that in light, light that the eyes were, were never shown in, on Deckard, but I have seen a copy of the film that he does. I really don't remember which version. I own the four-disc set that has all but the work print. I will, I'll have to review it. I know maybe the issue is a mute point, but with, with different versions of the film, I think it's tough to know. I love your podcasts. Keep on rocking. Well, thanks, Joseph. Yeah, thanks. And uh, yeah, that was quite the argument. The glint in Deckard's eye. Is he a replicant? You know, they were trying to debate mm-hmm. that. So. Well, I think we read somewhere that... It, uh, who who was the director of that? Um, oh, wasn't really Scott. Really Scott. Yeah. I, I think Scott in in Scott's mind, Deckard was a replicant. It depends on when you ask Scott. I, I he guess changes so. his mind a lot about that. So, yeah. But you know, whatever. Um, but that about does it. Real quick thing: Trek today plugged our Billingsley and Frederici podcast. So thank you, Trek today, oh, for yeah, doing that. You. And there was a bunch of other people that have helped retweet that. So thanks for getting the word out on that. It was an awesome interview. We had a good time with that. Uh, we did, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I believe that's about it. Is there anything else we need to talk about tonight? No, I think we covered it. Please, 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 if you are going to see Star Trek this weekend, call in. Let us know your reviews at one 888 508 Email us at the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. Are you going to see Star Trek this weekend? Oh, I, definitely. So you have to give us your review, but we want to hear what you are, are, are finding out and what you think about the new Star Trek movie. Mm-hmm. And big question, is there going to be as much lens flare? My bet, absolutely not. I think I, I think that's a safe assumption. He got enough flack for it. He got a lot of flack, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, that's about it. Thank you, Miles, for joining us tonight. Thank you, listener, for joining us tonight. Let's get out of here. So until next time, good night and good luck. We will see ya. Thank you so much for visiting the Sci-Fi Diner. We hope you enjoyed the food and the service and the conversations. If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about or tell us what you're watching or reading, Flip open your communicators and contact us at 1-888-508-4343 or click the SpeakPipe link at scifidinerpodcast.com or send an MP3 or typed email to scifidinerpodcast at gmail.com. You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash diner. We'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show. If you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation, you can always throw some coins in the tip jar at scifidinerpodcast.com.